Hi, a quick explanation before you listen to the podcast. We recorded this back on March the 25th, so there were a couple of uh, things that we spoke about which uh, are now going to seem just a little bit dated. just took me a while to get the edit done on our first one. Hopefully we'll be working on the second one. The process will become much quicker. Thanks very much for listening. Hi, I'm Ian Seeger, and I'm here with Dave Calderwood, Ed Hicks, and Joe Fournier. We had planned to do a bunch of podcasts uh, with a bunch of us sitting around a table and chatting, but thanks to coronavirus, we're all sitting in different places. Dave, whereabouts are you? I'm down in deepest Dorset. Excellent. Dave, uh, Dave is Flyers News Editor. Ed Hicks, everyone knows, is Flyers Editor. Ed, whereabouts are you? I'm just outside Bradford on Avon. Deepest Wiltshire. And Joe, whereabouts are you? Joe's I'm, the Flyers I'm Safety Editor. I'm in Colorado in the United States. And I'm in uh, I'm in a little village called Seend, in, also in Wiltshire. How is everyone? Yeah, still healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, coronavirus. Didn't really see that coming, I have to say. Um, no. and I've, just, I've just had a text message. Has everyone, anyone else just had a text message from the UK government? I had mine earlier this morning. Did you? No. Mine says, new rules in force now. You must stay at home. More info and exemptions. Yeah. I guess I mean, Joe's, Joe's a little bit more familiar with that. I think that happens more in the US, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You get those sort of silver alerts, don't you, when you have old people who've lost it and drive around Florida. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it's strange here. We The um, the restrictions are very uh, localized. So California, New York, Illinois uh, are, are quite uh, sheltered in place. Other places... Um, it's kind of almost business as usual, except for some of the larger companies, regardless of what the uh, local government has said, um, have, uh, you know, have their workers working from home and whatnot. So have you got, I mean, are the restaurants and stuff all closed down in the U.S.? Um, not all of them, no. Um, so um, some of them are. Um, many of the local health departments have uh at least put pressure on the restaurants to go to, to close their dining rooms or whatnot, but uh, it's not universal yet. Okay. It was a big shock yesterday when uh, McDonald's said they were going to close in the UK. So I think McDonald's, every McDonald's is now closed. Yeah. I yes, that's right. It's about, about 1,200 restaurants, isn't it, altogether? Well, that's yeah. quite a lot. That's a lot. I guess we probably ought to talk about aviation and uh, and some of the cancellations there's been. Um I think the biggest one I saw that, that Dave, you told me about this, I think was Farnborough closing this year. That's right, Farnborough. I mean, we talk about aviation. We talk about not uh, not aviation, really, because Farnborough is not going to happen. Uh, the Royal International Air Tattoo, the same month of July, is not going to happen. The GA Duxford show at the end of April isn't going to happen. Yeah. GASCO, the General Aviation Safety Council, has cancelled all of its safety evenings from now until the beginning of May, and obviously may also cancel then as well. So there's not much going on at the moment. Aero Expo's cancelled. Yep. The helicopter show that ran alongside it's cancelled. That's right. Sun and Fun. <laughs> I guess we don't know about Sun and Fun yet, do we? Uh, well, Sun and Fun was uh, supposed to is is currently rescheduled May 5th to the 10th. That's not really going to happen, is it? That yeah, so, not happening, no. 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 Apart, um, apart from anything else, all the manufacturers and exhibitors aren't simply aren't going to go yeah in fact i got an email from um a, a small um sort of distributor that that does a a bunch of aftermarket stc parts or wilco is the name of the company and they they came right out and said we're not going to sun and fun um 
you know, the rescheduled Sun and Fun and uh, here are our Sun and Fun specials. Call us up and we'll be happy to to uh, give you our Sun and Fun special. Um, mm. So I, I, I think that's sort of going to be the way. I mean, that's a that's a big ask to um, ask, ask someone to get ready for a May show that in all likelihood um, or that there's a good chance we'll cancel again. Ed, what are you, what's your what's your thinking on Oshkosh? I think, yeah, I think if I had to put money on it, the fact that they have to spend a lot of time getting prepared for it, so there's a lot of groundwork that goes in, you know, ahead of the event taking place, I can see that they're going to run into a, a basically a, a running out of time option, and that could be the thing that they're just not able to prepare for. They just won't be able to start preparing for it, uh, and that could potentially mean Oshkosh is cancelled, I guess. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's still a way away but july you know I've been if you're pre- preparing for the world's biggest aviation event it's um there's a lot of work that goes into that but what they could do of course is run a scaled down event i mean the great thing about oshkosh is that it's many events in one really so they could take out the bit that requires international cooperation and uh and just run a smaller event True. Yeah. I, I can see there being i can, the 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 truly international flavor though of oshkosh that in a in a time where everyone is not traveling and you know facing travel restrictions and maybe it's it's just too close on the horizon to um to kind of contemplate that happening in July really so yeah with everything else around being cancelled yeah that was my phone by the way <laughs> and I'd, I'd love don't get me wrong I'd love for it to you know, with we all look for for positive beacons in this, and it, yeah. you know maybe things will change. But um, at the moment, it's tough to see how that might happen. Well, perhaps that moves us on because one of the things about, uh, say, Aero being cancelled is that there's a bunch of uh, uh, new launches, new products, new aircraft that were due to be uh, announced at the show, which uh, are not now going to be there. So the manufacturers are looking for other ways to, to to show off their products, but one of the problems they're facing is actually getting stuff ready, because they manufacturers like Pipestral, who were planning on launching three new aircraft at Aero, uh, they're having uh, they're, because the border with Italy is closing, and they have two of their facilities production facilities actually in Italy, and a lot of their workers are Italian. They've had to suddenly bring everything from Italy into Slovenia and set up shop completely in Slovenia, so at least they can keep producing something. I heard that Technam. Yes, I just heard from Technam the other day, and they've uh, they've they're closing the factory, uh, but um, they they've still got the products that they had. They weren't launching any brand new products at uh, Aero. Oh, okay. who, who else? Who have you heard of any anyone else who had stuff they were going to launch at Aero? Yes, Bristol, a uh, Czech manufacturer. They make uh, a very popular two seat low wing aircraft that's done very well. They have a new generation of that aircraft. That it's, just, it's the same looking aircraft, the B twenty three. They call it. It's the next generation one, and they're building this to um, CS twenty three and the American equivalent. So that's uh, and with a 750 kilogram weight limit, they're really aiming it squarely at the flight training market. Uh, it's competitively priced at 199,000 euros, uh, and they've released a whole bunch of da- data about it, but uh, they haven't announced a certification date yet. So that's a bit in the air. As yeah. well as the B 23, Bristol were also going to launch their first high wing aircraft. 
the B8, which is a, a, a complete first for them to go to uh, that configuration. That's not aimed at the same market, though. That's aimed at the new 600 kilogram uh, ultralight market that's sort of opening up in Europe. Yeah, when, when does anyone remember when the result of, when the consultation ends, or the result is the consultation is due to be announced on that in the UK? It must be quite soon. I'm sure, it was in March sometime. Yes, it was, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So, no, me neither. Yeah, I'll try and get hold of someone at the CEA if they're not all pulling their hair out and see if there's a see if they got any updates on that. Joe, yeah. <laughs> what's going on in America then? Um, not grounded. Uh, so as a general rule, people are not grounded. Um, there's been a couple of interesting incidents. Um, so I think it happened in uh, at uh, JFK Tower. Uh, it happened at, uh, I believe, at the Tracon there. So the, the regional uh, radar control facility, uh, Las Vegas Tower. And uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting one, but whatever Midway. it is. Midway, that's right. So they went... Uh, to what's known here as ATC zero. So someone in the tower was diagnosed with, uh, with uh, COVID-19 and uh, they evacuated the tower for uh, disinfection. So it was essentially an uncontrolled airport. Uh, uh, self-announce um, your, uh, your position and uh, taxi on out, get your IFR clearance uh, kind of reminiscent of uh that video we did there in Clearwater, um, not Clearwater, in uh, Winter Haven there a few weeks ago. And uh, they get their clearance on the ground and, and off they go. And uh, for the most part, I mean, it's not an efficient way to run an airport. Uh, but um, at least in Midway, uh, Southwest was able to uh, maintain a skeleton schedule and not grind to a complete halt, which is uh, kind of interesting. I like, I like that term, ATZ, ATC0. And as far as private flying goes, um, it's it's uh, at least in the um, non-shelter-in-place areas, uh, it's pretty much status quo. I, I'd say flying is way down in general, so, but uh, so you, but you can still fly if you choose, um, and uh, so still kind of soldiering along, I guess. So, Joe, the um, you, you mentioned shelter in place. Is that the same as uh, same as the restrictions that we've just been placed under, which is to not leave your home? Yeah, yeah, that's the the uh, sort of the officialdom speak for a lockdown here, um, and uh, or at least that's what a lot of a lot of places are are calling it. I thought it was. Um, I don't know whether anyone else has seen it today. I mean, clearly, uh, general aviation flying up until yesterday. People were uh, people were using their judgment and uh, still indulging in that. It's interesting to you know today with the whole uh, don't make unnecessary journeys that uh, you know clearly lots of airfields have closed, lots of pilots have gone. Actually, flying is unnecessary, and uh, it's uh, I've been watching some of the uh, the Facebook groups for GA where people have been looking at flight radar twenty four. And almost rapidly, uh, rapidly going. Oh my God! Look, someone is flying, and it's it's brutal to see how the the whole internet turns into a ah, oh, this is outrageous, and oh, I don't see what you know, I I can't see that this is too much of an issue, or it's um, yeah. it's just interesting to see uh, the uh, the internet react, and clearly, so there's you know, lots of airplanes uh, still being moved, uh, you know, some stuff that would otherwise be stuck at base. And I guess there's a there's a need to move those aeroplanes, but um, 
yeah, the internet is uh, is judge and jury at the moment. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a pile on, I guess. Yeah, I think there's there's, there's an increasing number of airfields closed, aren't there? I think Black uh, Blackbush closed. Yeah, uh, I think you'd I think you'd struggle. It's more a case of what airfields are open than what airfields are closed now. Yeah. Well, I know yeah, that well. uh, Gloucestershire Airport and also Tull Western. They said they're they're not particularly closed, they, but they're the only people they expect to be uh, operating are uh, emergency services and anyone doing deliveries of some kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Manchester Barton, I think, is closed. I think I saw that as well. Yeah. But you're right, most of them probably will be closed, apart from those with special needs, as yeah. it were. Apparently, Heathrow is still operating, but not uh, so much uh, passenger flights, obviously, but it's, a, it's a, a leading import port for food and medical supplies. So they're keeping a little bit busy, not very busy. I noticed uh, there was some uh, uh, an, another thing from the internet. People started spotting that there are um, ATZ, uh, basically ATZ, sections of ATZs are being shut uh, in during quieter hours as obviously controllers, you know, controller numbers are reduced and things. And there was a, uh, on one page that I follow, someone was excitedly going, look, look, there's there's all, this, all the airspace around Birmingham is closed. And then someone said, oh, yeah, that's just between one in the morning and six. In the uh, in the morning, it's weird. I mean, fortunately, I suppose fortunately, given given that most people can't do any flying at all at the moment, it's yeah. probably probably just as well they're not using the internet to brief from because there's so <laughs> much information out there. Yeah, so, I need have some to. Some of it you, might even be true, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's the classic age of uh, of uh, trust but verify. My favourite today was to get a, <laughs> that I spotted today was get a hairdryer to put it on Max and blow the hot air up your nose for ten minutes a day to kill the virus. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> legit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> said flyers resident doctor yeah <laughs> yeah medical advice i'm sure if i looked in a christmas cracker i could find that qualification <laughs> yeah uh, I, i'm hoping that by the time everyone out there is listening to this it won't be too long from the time of recording it and things wouldn't have changed too much um but not this week next week is flyers press week so what have we got coming up on in the next issue ed uh in the next issue there is a flight test of one of the last pilatus pc6 porters um which obviously uh, you were lucky to get to fly when we made when we made the trip to florida um a month or so back uh, yeah. and that's on amphib floats uh so as you can imagine a porter is a relatively big airplane anyway and put it on a huge pair of amphibious floats, and it's like flying a tower block. Uh, and I think you I think you really enjoyed that experience, didn't you? I, I did. It was pretty amazing. It's bloody, bloody big aeroplane when you stood next to it. You definitely don't want to fall off it, for sure. No, no. It's it's one aeroplane where you need a uh, where we need a, a a risk assessment for just climbing up on it on the ground. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think Joe, when we were, when we were talking after the photo shoot, Joe said, well, maybe it was you, Ed. I can't remember that. Actually, when you, you when you come up by by the side just to get the pictures, it's got quite a big presence. That big yellow, booming aeroplane. Yeah, yeah. Probably not helped by the fact that it's you know it's an aeroplane designed with a set square, so it's <laughs> it's, it's got big flat sides. Yes, certainly. Health and safety wasn't involved in the uh, in the process to check the oil. <laughs> no, no. It's like yeah, just reach out. You know, reach out along that long nose balance. So yeah, that was like. Do you want to go and check the oil? No, it's okay. It'll be fine. I'm sure it hasn't used any. <laughs> That's it. I'll just look from here. 
Uh, yeah, so we have uh, we have that flight test. Uh, there's hopefully going to be a feature about what you might have seen at Aero. Uh, obviously, that's cancelled, but we've been uh, following up with a whole bunch of exhibitors who uh, who are keen to talk about uh, what they had to show. A word, uh, of caution, a word of caution there. That could be a feature about what would have been in the feature about what would have been at Aero. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, a lot of the manufacturers, as I said, um, they've, they've, they've got people off sick or they've got aeroplanes stuck in other places, bits of aeroplanes. So I'm finding it hard to get a hold of uh, the full story at the moment, but uh, bits of it will come in together. Okay. Maybe we should just write the story about what we would like to have seen at Aero and then just invent stuff that the manufacturers could have done. Wow, that's sounding like the internet. <laughs> well, magazines apparently, according to Trump, is just fake news. So, uh, you know, so we might as well just fulfil that. Uh, Trump obviously hasn't come across a really good uh, aviation magazine yet. No, that's true. That's, that's true. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, also in the mag, there's going to be um, uh, we've our flying adventure is from uh, James Ketchell who obviously flew around the world last year setting a, um, a speed record in an autogyro and also the first guy to fly continuously around uh, the world in an autogyro. A real great job by James. He's a really nice guy, really down to earth, uh, you know, very modest, but, um, you know, and just very, very passionate about gyro flying. So uh, James has written that flying adventure for us. So that's that's really good. Uh, plus all the, all, all the usual goodies that you expect in Flyer. Talking about auto gyros reminded me there's one other manufacturer I knew was going to launch uh, a product at Aero, and that was uh, Italian auto gyro, Italian gyrocopter company Magni Gyro. They were going to launch the, the M26, which has been four years in the making. It's a complete clean sheet design, so they haven't just taken one of their old ones and revamped it. And uh, uh, everyone was very much looking forward to seeing that. We've on flyer this at the moment. We do have a, a video uh, that they Magni have put out as a kind of teaser, uh, but they haven't released a whole bunch of faxes yet. I'm still trying to get those. And obviously, uh, Magni was the um, uh, James flew around the world in a in a Magni autogyro. Who who here has actually flown in an autogyro? I have. Yeah, I've tried the I've tried the, um, the uh, autogyro Cavalon and the MTO Sport. Uh, it's certainly a unique flying experience. <laughs> I, I've also flown in the in a an autogyro, the open cockpit one with uh, two, two two seats in tandem. And uh, I must admit, for the first ten minutes, I was absolutely paralysed with vertigo. I never suffered from vertigo before, um, but I was just just I just couldn't do anything. I had to just sit there. Fortunately, while somebody else was flying it, and uh, just get over it. After and after about ten minutes, I started to relax, started to enjoy it. But and, and I did take the controls for a while, and it's uh, had this kind of pendulum effect. It kept swinging from side to side, which was my inability to fly it properly. But um, yeah, it, was, it was a great experience. But there was that massive vertigo moment. Yeah, I, I've never been airborne in a autogyro, and I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I have to say, they're. Um you look at some of the, the you know some of the latest bits of kit um, that they are mightily impressive but equally come with a, um, a fairly mighty price tag now um, but amazing still that things like the the Cavalon are certified for uh, for commercial work I'm sure they're, they're deeply impressive aircraft and, and very safe uh, and great but I'm they're not for me that's all right okay. it's aviation's a diverse world Joe what have you been up to? Yeah, getting ready for press week next week. So getting my uh, 
accident stuff together and uh, looking forward to hypoxia. It uh, seems like it's been a while since we've done a treatment of hypoxia and uh, some interesting accidents to go off of. So we'll, uh, I think we'll head off in that direction this month. I guess one of one of those accidents will be the uh, the Piper Malibu down at in which came into the sea at Guernsey, uh, Joe, with the footballer Sala on board. Uh, yeah, that that's more of a carbon monoxide uh, and uh, really decision making uh, accident. But that is quite that's uh, there's a lot to go from on that on that accident for sure. I guess there's a, there's some. I always think now that with the hypoxia accident issue uh, is that with uh, since Garmin have announced the Autoland function for you know some of the more complex types that can save you in the uh, in the event of a hypoxic episode, can't it? It sure can. I mean, you know, uh, hypoxia in the Mirage, uh, the Piper Malibu Mirage case uh, for Sala, um, that would um, that would be helpful. Um, you know, um, even regardless of why you lost control of the airplane, whether it was um, um, due to hypoxia, carbon monoxide poisoning, or just some sort of skill deficit, you know, the 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 auto land and and the sort of the various phases of uh of automation that kick in in that scenario could could be a real help because that that system looks for loss of inputs doesn't it it's like if you've got a a, a non-interactive pilot it detects that kind of thing i guess as well as potential um overspeed and altitude changes things like that that's right yeah so um the, it, there's there's sort of multiple ways that it that it would intervene, but probably the the easiest is uh, yeah it looks for inputs to the you know button clicks or or mic clicks, and if it doesn't see those within a certain period of time, and that varies by uh, altitude in the uh, at least in the unpressurized Cirrus, um, then uh, it starts asking you um, for input. It, pops up a little message and I think it pops up a little message that says, are you aware or are you awake or something along those lines? And if yeah. you don't acknowledge that message within a certain period of time, it escalates and it escalates. And then uh, eventually starting the emergency descent procedure. And then in the case of Autoland from there, it would go into the Autoland sequence uh, eventually. Is that a descent into Autoland without any intervention? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, so it wouldn't require somebody to press the button to to go into auto land in that case. Correct. Yeah. No. It would eventually, um, it, you know, in in it, it's not immediate. Um, it, you know, it gives you time to intervene. And at, at any point, uh, if you if if you're actually aware and you've just been for some reason ignoring the system, you can always shut it off. But yeah, it would it would you know with a the theoretical pilot slumped over at the controls for whatever reason. It would go straight into auto land um, without any intervention from from anyone. I guess that would have clear, been a, a clear um, a clear lifesaver for the uh, the when that TBM was lost uh, a few years ago. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think you can look at you know it, th- this technology is probably not enough to move the needle as far as measuring accident statistics you know i mean it it just but these these accidents that do happen have a very lasting impression in our in our in our minds you know sort of seeing a a, a tbm fly you know a thousand miles uh, so you know without uh, with its occupants passed out or or passed away um is uh, certainly makes an impression 
um, on us as pilots and frankly, as uh, people that uh, ride in the back of the airplanes, I think. So uh, I think it can only be a good thing to have this sort of technology available. I'd like to think that um, that, that Autoland technology from Garmin will be um, will garner them some awards sometime this year. Let's hope so. Yeah. So just to conflate a couple of your accident musings, if you've got something like uh, Auto Descent or whatever Garmin called it and the Autoland system combined with the pilot slumped over the controls, do you not end up in the pilot potentially trimming against the autopilot by, or not trimming against, but pushing against the autopilot, the autopilot trimming to try and get it back if he or she is slumped over the controls? Yeah, I suppose in theory, um, you know, at some point the pilot could, uh, the you know, the, the pilot's body could interfere with the controls to the point that it would, uh, it wouldn't be, it might overwhelm the ability for the uh, autopilot to do its job. But yeah, absolutely. I suppose I guess if it's got, at least if he's got ESP and enough altitude, it would presumably be able to sort that out if the pilot was no longer slumped over the controls. But yeah, into, into outlying examples here. Yeah, yeah, and and frankly, uh, a lot of times uh, the problem with the with the um, fighting against the autopilot sort of scenario is when the pilot decides to switch the autopilot off, and then it's grossly mistrimmed. So, uh, in in this case, if the autopilot was never switched off, it 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 might have enough uh, authority through the torque to uh, to control to 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 stay. Uh, in control of the airplane, but it's it gets to be a little. Uh, they can only design for so much, I, I suppose. You know. So at this point, my complete amateurism meant that I managed to delete the file where everyone was saying goodbye. So I'm afraid uh, that bit's missing for this week. Sorry. If you like this first podcast, please consider giving us a good review. Come back for more, and better still, go to www.flyer.co.uk forward slash shop and subscribe. Where if you're in the UK, you can get hold of a copy of Flyer for just seven pounds fifty a quarter. 